I'm Dean Zielinski, and this is the podcast. All right, we're back from Nam. Welcome, Parker. Yeah, what a what a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can we say we were at Nam? Yeah. Can I tell everyone it was your first Nam show? Or it is that... was my first Nam show. Okay, Parker's first Nam show. Dean was busy talking it down like it wasn't like the old days, and it was smaller than he's ever seen it. But for a first timer, I was blown away. There was just stuff everywhere. You know, everything from pro audio to guitars and basses, and it was busy. It was fun. It was yeah, really cool. It actually was kind of busy, even though it's downsized from what it was. I mean, mm-hmm. it's heyday, but you know, all Nam. All, all trade shows are getting smaller. I talked to other people in other industries, and their, their shows yeah. are just getting smaller because of... The economy. The, well, the information age, too. Yeah. You know, and less mom-and-pop stores. Right. And by the way, people always think we exhibit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I haven't exhibited in NAM in decades. Well, years. Yeah. Maybe decade. And the reason is NAM is for dealers to come and buy guitars. Right. And so if you set up your booth, it's really to sell guitars to dealers. Mm-hmm. We don't sell guitars to dealers. Right, we're direct. So we would have a bunch of guys come into our booth saying, I want your guitars, and we'd have to say, mm. no. <laughs> so I, people do do the consumer thing a little bit, but as a rule, it's very expensive to do an AM show, and I can't go there and tell everybody I can't do business with you. Right. Write a, write a big check. So anyways, we don't do it. We go and we have meetings with a lot of important people that we do business with. Yeah, you want to divulge any of that? Some of it was kind of secret, but... No, wait. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was your takeaway? I mean, we, we hung out with some cool people. We saw Ola, we saw Rita, we saw a lot of the gang, you know? Yeah, we, we, we see the normal cool cool people. Ola's great. Having some drinks with Jim Dunlop. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, Rita, obviously. We, uh, we caught the John 5 show. And, John 5. Uh, Jared Nichols. Fuck, he was insanely good tone. Pretty cool guy. Right. Well, John 5 was... He was really cool. Yeah. Maybe not your cup of tea, but... Well, it was my cup of tea for a couple songs, a yeah. few songs, and then at the end of the night, it's kind of like... I'm into that stuff. It was, you know, yeah. it was fun to see him stand yeah. alone for the first time, but so... he's an amazing guitar player, but now he's kind of, he's kind of like got his own, like, Jeff Beck thing where he does, like, he plays like nobody else. Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not like Jeff Beck, but the Jeff Beck played like nobody else. He has his own distinct personality. Yeah, yeah and thing. And Visually, it, tonally. And he's cool on stage, so that was cool. Yeah. Okay, so is that enough about Nam? Well, I think so. We're going to talk about the old Nam where we left oh, yeah. off before, but more importantly, by the way, 1977, about mm. the same weekend was the Nam show we're talking about on this yeah. podcast. And this is what year? 2020. Yeah, my my 47th year. Jeez, I'm, and I'm only like 48. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of. So um, I started young. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but before we talk about the Nam show, I mean the the old Nam show, mm-hmm. we got to talk about Grady. Yep, that was our pretty hot podcast. <laughs> Grady was here. Yeah. What a story. What a dude. I know, great story. Great dude, great story. Yeah. He's like he's like like Dime couldn't have had a better tech cuz everything that Dime was like this home down down home kind of guy. Yeah. Grady's that same guy. Yeah. Not as wild. No. <laughs> but very mellow. Very technical. Yeah. But yeah, just a just a down home great human being. Yeah. Probably balanced the pH of the craziness of dime. You know, you need to Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, and by the way, it was a great podcast. The cool thing about it this is 
my era, mm-hmm. you know, I resisted like all this these days with, you know, bedroom guitar players and influencers and all that stuff when it first started going because I like to give credit not only people who could play guitar and do stuff, but who paid their dues and started out like in a band and made it. Grinding, yeah. Grinding it out on the road. I mean, the band Kansas, the story, I mean, if you ever see it's like 10 years grinding it out and, mm-hmm. and you know, getting signed and still not being anywhere and then four albums later and all that stuff. The next thing you know, they're playing arenas and stuff. Yeah. That story is really cool mm-hmm. and it's very rare. I mean, yeah. if you talk about the amount of bands that actually made it to arena status right? compared to the ones that tried. Well, it's a very, according to Grady, it was a very right. linear, but they did, you know, they started here and it was just this trajectory that never right. stopped. That's true. And the band was undeniable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of knew about Pantera's like, like it, it, the record company guy was, didn't have to be a genius to walk out there and see a line around the building and say, well, yeah. we got to sign these guys. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, watch the Grady podcast. Um, it's, it's cool. And yes, I interrupted a lot, but you would too if you were hanging out with Grady. <laughs> <laughs> well, Par- Par- Parker does a great job. He just uh, gets a little enthusiastic. It's cool. But uh, on to lo- on to the we old love Nam. Parker. I don't care what those three people said. Okay. okay. Uh, on to the old Nam show then. Yeah, the old Nam show. I mean, I think yeah. We did the multi part. Um, we started with you, kind of on your guitar building journey. Um, we left off where you were on your way to Nam with a handful of guitars to display. And when you were ready to start setting up your booth, you were having some cracked lacquer issues. Right. <laughs> Not what you want on your first exhibit. It so, was a disaster. Okay. So before we, we talk about that, we do need to do some circling back, which we do often on this podcast because there's a lot to say and a lot we overlook while we're doing this. I have so much to remember. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So you're ready for your NAM, but what what was the inspiration? How did you settle on, you know, Dean as the name? How did you settle on your models? What was your business and your your plan? Okay. What we never talked about is what my plan was. Mm-hmm. Okay. We talked about I'm going to build Vs and Explorers, and they weren't going to be crappy Vs and Explorers. But my concept was shape guitars because rock and roll was getting pretty heavy and people were still playing the same guitar, same shapes, like in the 50s, okay? Mm-hmm. And I knew about Vs and Explorers and they weren't popular then. And the reason they weren't popular is because of the way they were made. So my concept for Dean Guitars was take all the sought-after ingredients that are in a, like a 58, 59 Les Paul okay. and put it into a flying V or an Explorer body style. And those features would be? Flame maple tops, binding on the body, ebony fingerboards. We used abalone uh, inlays. Mm-hmm. No pick guards, by the way, which was not popular in the, that time. You know. Yeah, you mentioned that, and that's it's weird to think about. Yeah. Right. Mm. So I mean, I'm like, we don't need pick guards. Yeah. I wasn't the first, but it was just like every Les Paul you ever bought had a pick guard on it yeah. at one time. So to take all those ingredients, okay, combined with my custom. Slight V, rounded over binding neck, mm-hmm. the neck that I, I invented while I was in my repair shop days. Yeah. The V head, radic- not only radical look, but radical string angles to pull, to pull the, um, 
you know, the, well, this, the yeah. strings tighter at the nut. Mm-hmm. The string through the body, huge thing, you know, sustained type things. Yeah. So I put all these features that I knew about at the time when I was like 18 years old. The red side dots? Yeah, the red side dots, which was just how it came about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all the original Dean guitars had red side dots. That's for how many years? Like a year. Okay. <laughs> so if you know, if you got a Dean with red side dots, that's a... Those are real collectible. Okay. And it's really weird how that came about because my friend Keith mm-hmm. was helping me out. It, Keith was like my friend, okay? And he was a mechanical guy. Right. And he says, hey, Dean, you know, I got, you know, I got your side dots. I'm like, what? His father was in the packaging business. Okay. And one of his products he pack- packaged was a thing called Space Clusters. Okay. It was this stupid thing. It was almost like, you know, it had like a styrofoam ball and you'd stick like, you know, these plastic rods in it. Okay. And make like a spacey looking thing. Or, you know, probably like, <laughs> like what you'd see in science class yeah, or something. Yeah, a toy from the old days. <laughs> yeah. But, but the plastic rods, I think, were exactly five sixty-fourths of an okay. inch. And they had red ones. Yeah. So I just had like these red plastic rods, courtesy of Keith's father, yeah. who had like, you know, tonnage of this stuff. So we were taking the plastic rods and hitting them in the holes and cutting them and yeah. hammering on them. And we had red, red, we were, we were winging it. We were using whatever we sure. can. But Keith came through with the, the side dots. So if you see an old Dean with red side dots, it came from space clusters. So on the topic of... <laughs> you know, other premium things that were separating your guitars. What, um, I know the old Dean guitars had DiMarzio's in them. And from my understanding, were you the first manufacturer to use aftermarket pickups like that? I'm relatively certain that I was the first guitar manufacturer using DiMarzio pickups. So what led you to that? Well, I was installing them in a lot of Les Pauls in my repair days. Okay. And they just sounded, it was, it was, it was almost getting to the point where everyone buy a Les Paul and they'd find, find a place to get their DiMarzios installed. Sure. Because pickups back then were so, they varied a lot. There was no such thing as aftermarket pickups. Yeah, like a consistent model that was the same no matter when you bought it. Before that, I mean, the only brand pickups that there was something like DeArmond or something, you know, there was no branded pickup. When I talk about this NAM show, you're going to hear about this, but we all converged at the NAM show. All this stuff was going on. We were all hot riding. Yeah. Because Gibson had been so devoid of, technology and innovation and it's moved so far backwards that it just left this huge void for people to innovate. Right. And you had like DiMarzio and Duncan making pickups and other people making guitars and Charvel making parts, necks and bodies. You know, they were doing that long before they were making guitars. Hmm. So all this underground stuff was happening. But my point is I knew like everyone... Everyone was just buying Les Pauls and putting DiMarzio's in them. So my thing is, I'll put DiMarzio's in my... Just have them in there already. Yeah, so when it's hanging on the wall in the music store, it's going to sound better off the shelf, which they did. Hmm. And I will tell you that maybe Hamer will say, (laughs) oh, they had DiMarzio's, but they weren't manufacturing. It was a garage. It was a basement operation. Okay. They were building one-off guitars. Yeah, yeah. And I went in. So they might have been on the market first, but I was in manufacturing and, and supplying... Really right bu- out of the box. Building yeah. a production line of guitars with DiMarzio's out of the box. Cool. So we'll talk to Larry about that someday, but yeah, pretty sure it was me. Okay, so that's the name, though. The name. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have to circle back. Gary Gann was like my mentor. 
Yeah. Okay, he was older than me. He was kind of hip. He knew what was going on. He'd been to NAMM shows. So as I'm developing the Dean guitar, I'm going, you know, I'm going and talking to him. I might have still even been taking lessons from him, but he was an innovator. And he's like, what are you doing? What, you know, he's talking. He's like, I'm like, I'm going to the NAMM show. He says, I've never been to a NAMM show. So he was going to help at the NAMM show, which we'll talk about. So his first and your first NAMM show. No, he's been to NAMM shows. He's in the music business. He's four years older than me. Got it, got it, got it. I think I went to the summer NAMM in Chicago that year, Mm -hmm. but I never really was at a NAMM, you know, NAMM show like as a manufacturer. Yeah. So we're going to the NAMM show. I needed a lot of help. But you talk about the name. How did we come up with the name Dean? Ask me. How did you come up with the name Dean? It seems obvious, but... It wasn't. Yeah? Gary Gant. Okay. I'm in him, I'm, sh- I'm there, and I'm showing him the prototype VM building. He's like, what are you going to call it? Like, I don't know. Did you even have a prototype name or anything at all? No, no. I, You know, it's like I'm building guitars. It's just one step in the process yeah. that I hadn't covered yet. Yeah. And I don't know that I thought about it that much. I, I Anyway, so he says, call him Dean. I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, no, it's cool. I'm like, no, I hated my name. I always hated the word, the name Dean. Yeah. So um, I'm like, no, and he's like pushing me. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. And so I said, okay. Okay. I mean, Zelensky <laughs> wasn't going to be on the head. We tried that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, it was, yeah, too much. So I, so I didn't like it, but as soon as I went to that guy, Gary Mann, and he did that crude bone thing. Yeah. And I saw the name Dean. It kind of looked okay. Yeah. It looked, you know. You got to see it fleshed out to like appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. See it like in, see your name in lights. Yeah. So anyways, and then when I got the finished logo, it just looked good and it worked. But yeah, I don't know if it'd be called Dean Guitars today if it wasn't for Gann say hmm. call it Dean. Yeah. So anyways, he was, then we're going to the NAMM show. And Gann was the guy, hey, I'll I'll go out there. I had to fly him out there. Gary Gann has this wife named Joan. Okay. I don't know if they're married at the time, but they don't do anything without each other. You're flying Gary, you're flying Joan. Mm-hmm. They play in band together, everything. They, so any, so anyways, I flew him out. And I had to fly out Zan. So while we're driving out, and you heard that horror story that kind of ended in the episode, what was it, three yeah. which we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just me and Keith going to the NAMM show. There was a whole contingency a entourage. that I was flying out. A little entourage, yeah. <laughs> oh, entourage, yeah. yeah. We're not talking about that. So the, um, there's a whole contingency flying out for support at the NAMM show and to work the booth and help with the party. And Gann was the guy who said, you got to throw a party out there. It'll be great. And he set up the party. And it was weird because... This is going to be so obscure, but he was really into, like, he was a great rocker, but he was also into, like, this fusion stuff, and he got all involved with the Emmett Chapman stick. Okay. Do you know what that is? Isn't it like a weird, is it a, is it the drumstick, or is it the weird, like... The stick was like a a fingerboard, bass, and guitar all in one. It was called a stick, and Emmett Chapman... Yeah, 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 yeah. And he promoted the hell out of it for years, and it kind of limped along. Who plays that? Someone... Currently is like still playing that in like yeah some weird fusion band yeah I, don't know. I never it was you know tap on stuff I get you know, it. which yeah. everybody ended up doing on guitars and doing it better but so yeah so the band was going to have Emmett Chapman and the stick so if you see the pictures 
Emmett Chapman's there with the stick. But then we had other people at at the party. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird. Okay. The stick thing. But anyways, I was young. We're getting the name thing going, and Gary Gann wanted. So he, that that's that was the party. Any other notable figures? I don't remember. Yeah. This is probably. I remember sh- seeing pictures of you at Nam, like with Seymour Duncan, and I think with Larry and other people. But I don't know if any of them were there. Right. right. Well, we're going to talk about the Nam show. Yes. And go to the Nam show. So I just wanted to circle back in because we didn't really cover. It's like Dean and Keith are going to the Nam with these guitars and blah blah blah. It did but, sound like there were just two people going. Yeah, in. but it, it was a much bigger event about okay. to happen. So we left off. You can tell where we left off. We, you were g- getting ready to set up your booth. You brought like nine guitars or something like that. And as you were opening them up, there was cracked <laughs> lacquer on your guitars that were meant to be on display. Every guitar that was in the back of the van froze on the trip, you know, because it was cold in the van. And when we get to El- we get to An- it was Anaheim mm-hmm. area, get to my aunt's house where we're staying. I open up the van and every the finish on every guitar is cracked. Wasn't there one that was okay? One survived. Okay. Okay. So now I'm in panic mode. I've been in the repair business for a long time. Yeah. Two, three years now. I've never <laughs> been able to repair a finish crack. Yeah. And now I got nine guitars worth of finish cracks. Yep. And so I'm like, I gotta repair this. Hold on. How many hours away was the NAM show when you realized this? I think I'm two days in, two days out. Okay, like okay. Two okay. days, we have to have the thing set up. So we're in my aunt's house. We got all the guitars out of the cases, laid out on countertops, couches, tables, picnic bent, wherever we can. <laughs> and now I'm, I go to the hardware store and I buy acetone. Okay. And I'm thinking I can just lay acetone onto the crack things, and fuse them back together. Yes. Which was a... <laughs> I think I knew I had a snowball's chance in hell, yeah. but I had to try. So we got them all laid out, and, you know, meantime, I'm calling back to Chicago, Zan, saying, tell him what's going on, this disaster's going on. He's like, you know, come on, you can fix it, and, you know, supporting me and all this stuff, Zan, my marketing guy. So we laid them out, and we had it. Like the like a bead of 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 acetone just sitting on there and watching it, thinking that it's gonna melt. And stuff. Was it working? Did Had you it, lay it overnight? And yeah. The next day, the crack's still there, but we have this big sink in the yeah. lacquer from Ugh. go out and get a buffer and sand, you know, hand buffer and drill. I bet my aunt had a drill because she was pretty mechanical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got the buffing pad, and we're sanding and buffing and anyways it wasn't gonna happen the anxiety i can only imagine (laughs) so now you know like your show's ruined in your mind but you gotta make it happen so we got the bright idea we had three guitars that were presentable from the front okay and we had one guitar that was workable yes the the, the walnut brown sunburst v but were the other three that were visible there was an ML, I think. I don't know. Did Which, you have one of every model? There were three. I don't, I think so. We'll have to look That's at the pictures. That's crazy lucky, yeah. So we got leather straps, mm-hmm. leather shoelaces. We tied the three to the wall. Yeah. Okay. No one pulled these off. <laughs> Nobody could pull them off. If yeah. they did, they would see cracks. 
And we worked with the one guitar at the booth. What was the one that was fully it was playable? A, it was a flying V. Okay. And it was a flawless guitar. Nice. Anyways, I will tell you that that V performed like like a Dean guitar. Yeah. We had an amp there. It, 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 the thing played and sound. It was everything a Dean guitar was. Mm -hmm. So that's what we used for the show. And we got through the show. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we literally told people, you know, that we had what happened. I think we were just upfront and honest. We had a bunch of guitars. They cracked yeah. in the fin. In those days, finish cracks were pretty normal. I mean, stores would get Gibsons in with finish you cracks. That. Yeah, so. so you had been saying, you know, one of the biggest differences, well, one of the main things that NAM is for is for dealers to buy guitars. Right. So you're there. It's your first NAM show. I already know who your first client is, but who's coming to your booth? What are you locking down? Okay. We've, we've got our four guitars that we can work with. We set up the booth. Um, it was a crude booth. It was 10 feet tall. It had these really cheesy cloth panels with two side returns, cheesy Dean logo that we made out of styrofoam, put mm -hmm. lights on it, set it up. Day one. Now, th those days, the NAMM shows were three days. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, this is West Coast show. The first one at the Disneyland Hotel. Okay. And we were in like, because we were late, you know, late to come. We were in a room called the Embassy Room whatever that was, mm -hmm. but it was like part of the hotel. So we set up literally Friday morning, set up shop and we're ready to go. And I'm sitting there and Gan was there and my friend Keith, we're just, you know, working the booth. Zan came up, by the way, Zan handled all the printing and all that. We're set up like ready to go as crude yeah. as it was. Anyways, like the first dude who comes by is Jerry Ash. Yeah. Who said, I'm going to, you know, he saw that teaser ad. And he says, I'm going to come by, and if they're as good as they are, as you say they are, we're going to buy them. And again, for those who don't know, Jerry Ash is? The owner of Sam Ash Music. Right. Big deal. Right. Big deal. Who was the biggest music store at the time? Mm -hmm. He came by, he looked at the guitars, said, I like them, and he ordered three. A V, a Z, and an ML. Okay. So Jerry Ash buys the first three guitars, right? Mm -hmm. And then dealers, more dealers are coming by, and they're just browsing and showing them what they got, and as soon as... They come by, I'm savvy enough to say, oh, by the way, Jerry Ash was just here. He just bought three guitars. Yeah, pretty mad flex. <laughs> so you dropped Jerry. Everyone, in the, everyone knew who Jerry Ash was. If you were in the music business, if you had a store, you knew who Jerry Ash was. Yeah, so they want to hop on the cool train. So they all hop on the train. Or this, a V, a Z, an ML. V, I wouldn't let anyone buy one. You had to buy three. Okay. So we're, we're going through the show, and dealers are coming by and buying guitars. Yeah. And like we're playing at the booth and people are checking them out and people are looking at the ones on the wall and I'm hoping they don't look around and find the cracks. But anyways, the show was a huge success. So when we were at NAMM and what I think a lot of people my age, um, you know, watch on YouTube is there's always like artists playing and like repping gear. Were there any like notable artists doing clinics or like showing stuff off? Did anyone cool play your stuff? I it wasn't so big. No, not in my booth. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was new. I had no artists. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But what was going on at NAMM, we're busy selling guitars, but there was this buzz going on at the NAMM show, mm -hmm. okay? It was like this buzzing thing going around, and DeMarzi was there, and uh, BC Rich, Bernie, I met Bernie Rico, you know, BC Rich had a booth, Charvel had a booth. There are other guys that aren't in the business today. They were making pickups, other pickup guys and things like that. Yeah. But there was like this buzz going on because all these new companies were at the West Coast NAM. Well, first of all, the show had never been on the West Coast. Yeah. So there's a lot of... So there's this new thing. Yeah, but there's a lot of startup dudes out there. Yeah. 
that now can go to the NAM show easy because it's in their turf. Mm-hmm. So all these guys showed up at the show. And it was just like this, it's hard to describe it, but it was like this whole buzz thing going on of this new breed of manufacturers that was going to be big. Yeah, because even still, like, rock and roll is pretty young. But right. Like, every hit that most people know wasn't even written yet. Yeah, you know? like all the music you guys hear on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we were there when it first came out, the yeah. album, you know. So that was all going on. I mean, it's 1977, and mm-hmm. rock and roll was pretty relatively new. Right. You know, so anyways, this whole big thing was going on. It was a buzz, three days of just rocking and rolling. And and anyways, after three days, we walked out of there $45,000 worth of orders. Yeah, and we can adjust for inflation, but that's not a bad first run there. Right, I mean, literally, I set up, everything was a crash and burn, but we set up anyways, and I mm. walked out of there with $45,000 worth of guitars to build. That's awesome. Which, by the way... Everything that led up to this was quite a story because, you know, it was making the damn show. Mm-hmm. But now it really starts. Yeah, now you got to back up what you just did. Yeah. <laughs> I got to, like, real. I have to make guitars. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because we didn't talk about this, but I never thought I could make a guitar as good as Gibson. Okay. And I'm going to be back in Chicago yeah. building guitars and... It's weird because Zan had put out this advertising, you know, the new standard of excellence. Yeah, yeah. And he had this really hyped up quality thing. Yeah. And I was thinking, I wasn't thinking quality. I was thinking features. Yes. I can make maple, you know, flame maple guitars and a guitar that's really cool. Mm. I didn't think I could put on a finish as good as a Gibson. Was the finish always the scariest aspect for you? Totally. Okay. But I didn't think I could do it. Okay. But Zan had set the bar so high in the <laughs> advertising. and You're like, shit. And if I'm anything, I'm not a bullshitter. Mm-hmm. If I put it out there, I had to back it up. So because Dan- Zan did all this marketing and, you know, we had this thing, you know, they're the greatest quality part. I, like, had a, a mountain to climb. And uh, so the I really did put out a quality guitar. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it was because of the marketing that I, yeah. like I said, I was just thinking about putting out cool guitars. I didn't think, you know, the finishes had to be this. Well, a good better. thing for him, you right. know. Anyways, because of Zan, I made really quality guitars. Yeah. And I've got a reputation for very quality guitars, and it's served me well over the last 40-something years. Okay, so, yeah, Zan, pushing your limits and getting the quality up and everything. Um, let's circle back to Nam though. So this is your first NAMM show. You sold a lot. Overall, what's going through your head? Like, how did you feel and stuff? I feel like I felt great. I remember just feeling like, whoa, I'm now in business. Yeah. Because remember I told about the accountant, you know, the, who the guy who did the bookkeeping? Okay. And when are you going to quit? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm at the NAMM show. I got $45,000 worth of orders. Yeah. I'm officially in business. You're going to show him. I'm 19 years old. Mm. I'm Dean Zielinski. I brought my brand my design, my whole concept to Nam, and I'm walking out with $45,000 worth of orders. Right. I know I got a huge task ahead of me. But that's a pretty good step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it worked. Given all I, things. I literally, you know, people go to Nam shows and don't sell anything. Yeah, we saw a lot of that. <laughs> so, so, you know, for me to walk out of my first Nam show with my concept, blah, 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 and have $45,000 worth of orders was, like, yeah. huge. So you've got your sales 
uh, the trip back home. Yeah, so these guys are, fl- everyone's flying back. Yeah. Keith and I are driving the van. Okay. With the fucked up guitars. And the fucked up heat. And the booth and the, <laughs> the heat and all that stuff. But anyways, we were like so wiped because, and I, every NAM show I ever did, I think, in my life, it was a ton of work to get to NAM. And then you got to be on your game for four days. Mm-hmm. This was three days. But then after that, you just want to pass out because yeah. you're working. So Keith and I decide we're, you know, we're driving home, pack up the van, kiss my aunt, Roz goodbye. <laughs> on cloud nine, but we're driving home. Mm-hmm. But we're going to stop in Vegas. Okay. Okay. Had you been to Vegas prior? I don't think I'd ever been to Vegas. Okay. Um. If I had, you know, my father in his own plane, mm-hmm. it was a stop over on the way to California or something. Maybe we weren't, maybe they took us to, you know, but not as a grown up. I never right. was in Vegas, never gambled. So anyways, we're driving there and keep in mind, I'm 19. I'm not old enough to say, drink, yeah. gamble or anything. Somehow I could pull off a NAMM show and sell $45,000 worth guitars, but I'm not old enough to do anything mature. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, we stop in Vegas. We're in the black van. <laughs> Um, park and like there's casinos. Mm-hmm. So Keith and I are like, let's go in a casino. Is Keith older than you? No, he's my age. Okay. A few, few months younger. Yeah. Okay. So we're parked. And by the way, this isn't like Vegas with MGM and Bellagio. This is Vegas with the Desert yeah, Inn. And, and a cactus. <laughs> by the way, I got married in Vegas. Okay. Stayed at the Desert Inn. Nice. That was years later. But, um, so... This is like the old kind of strip kind of Vegas, okay, mm-hmm. with, with the normal size stuff where Dean Martin used to hang or whatever, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. It was still cool. but So we go into a casino. I know nothing about gambling. I don't have a ton of money, I don't think. <laughs> so we start play, playing nickel slots. Mm-hmm. So it's, I just get, you know, break up $100. I don't have it. I'm sitting there playing nickel slots. And things are kind of going pretty good. I get, And all of a sudden, a security guard comes by me, starts looking, and I'm playing. And all of a sudden, he's like, you got your ID? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no. Okay. So now I got all these nickels. I, You're winning, though? You're doing all right? Oh, yes, yeah, doing okay. Nice. So I put them in my pocket, fill up my pockets. I walk out. Anyways, go down, you know, a few more casinos. Keith and I go in a casino, Mm -hmm. gambling a little while longer, you know, just, you know, sneaking it. Yeah. Eventually a security guy comes by and says, can I see your ID? I'm like, no. (laughs) Okay, get out. Once again, a bunch of nickels, throw them in my pockets, walk out. Third casino. How many did you hit? Three. <laughs> okay. And it's like, anyways, we went to the third casino. We played as long as we could. Eventually, a security guy comes up, and he's like, okay, hit it, you know, we, your ID. By the way, I'm 19. I Once again, I, if I looked hey, 16, <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's no way I, was, you know, I wasn't going to get carded. So, once again, threw all the nickels in my pocket, hit the road. I mean, Keith and I were like, okay, this ain't going to work. we got to leave Vegas. Mm. So we just start driving towards home. We're taking turns driving and all that stuff. And somehow it was kind of midday, 
We're in Utah. Middle of nowhere? Middle of nowhere, Utah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm driving, and all of a sudden, a cop pulls up behind mm. and got the lights on. So Are you he, speeding? No. Just had out-of-state plates? <laughs> out-of-state license plate, long hair, black hippie van. Not a good combo. And it's, it's the, <laughs> the later 70s, okay? Yeah. And by the way, nothing ever happened in my life that wasn't a story, okay? Mm-hmm. The ride home had to be a story, I don't know, so... So I get pulled over, cherries are going and looking in my mirror and stuff. Guy pulls me over, first thing he says is, hey, can I see your license? Pull out my license. He's like, you tired? I'm like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) He goes, you're swerving all over the road. I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. He goes, you want to get out of the car? We could get out of the car. Keith gets out of the car. Keep in mind, this van is chock full of Nam guitars in the booth and Mm -hmm luggage and brochures and all that's just loaded with loaded up anyways he starts looking on my floor of, of my car of my van found a marijuana seat uh-huh he goes this here sir is a marijuana seed that gives me probable cause to search your vehicle as he does that the seed drops on the ground yeah so i'm like cool <laughs> Anyway, so he's scrambling down on the ground on the side of the the highway. Jesus. Somehow he locates the seed. Maybe he had another one in his his, own plant. Maybe he had another one in his pocket. Now, there is a snowball's chance in hell that I had a seed on my floor. I probably bought one ounce of pot in my lifetime. Yeah. And it could have been there, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. He picks up the seed. And then he's like, this gives me probable cause. He puts it in some envelope and something I want to search the van. Takes us out back of the van. First, he searches us. I have a blank gun in my pocket, in my coat pocket, which is weird because I'm not a gun guy. (laughs) But my father had this blank gun that he kept in his drawer. And for some reason, I'm going on the road and I grabbed it, you know, put it in my pocket. So he pulls this blank gun out, and I'm like, it's a blank gun, you know, because I'm, like, being shaken down. Sure, I'm yeah, eight, probably horrified. 19 years old. He fires, nothing happens, you know. Yeah. That was cool. And then he's, like, got the van out, and he's searching. He starts going for the luggage. And Keith had this briefcase full of vitamins. <laughs> Just loose like a million vitamins. Wow. This guy opens it up. I think he thought he hit the mother load of drugs or something. Yeah. And he's like, they're vitamins. And then he starts looking and figures out they're all vitamins. Anyways, he searches. What? Funny anecdote. When we went on tour once, we sold uh, little tins filled with like picks, like a 10 pack of guitar picks. We couldn't figure out where to get tins. We found this company that would sell customized, like, Altoid tins, right? Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't sell them to you without the mints. So we ordered probably a 1,000 mint cases, dumped all the mints into a plastic bag, and we forgot we had them when we were going to the Canadian border. So we have just a bag of, like, five pounds worth of mints that just clearly looks like drugs. And right as we're pulling up to the the border check, we just throw them out the window. (laughs) It's like that's the last thing you want seen. Right. Anyway, carry on. So now he's really searching the van, 
but it's pretty clear there's guitars, there's, you know, this is yeah. not a drug band. Your alibi checks out. Right, everything checks out. But he's not having it. He's got to bust us. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay, follow me to the station. So get back in the car, in the van, and I got to follow this guy. To, this is somewhere in Utah. I have no idea what town. But we get to the station. It's like this one horse Like town. a movie set almost? Yeah, almost like, it's like, I don't know, Barney and, Andy, you know, Barney <laughs> Fife and Andy, okay? Yeah. There's the sheriff and him. Anyways, I'm like, they're like writing me up a ticket. I don't know why they had to take me to the station, but they're writing me up a ticket and for swerving or whatever I did. And they're like, how do you want to pay the fine? I'm like, I'm leaving. And I'm like, this is bullshit. I I don't get my day in court. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I had a Plymouth Cuda when I was younger. Yeah. So I had a lot of experience getting tickets and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, that, that car was extremely <laughs> fast <laughs> before I got to the van. I also got busted for transportation of open liquor, and my uncle, the lawyer, got me off. So I had a little experience in uh, trials. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, this is no fair. I'm leaving. I said, I, I, I deserve my day in court. So the sheriff guy, not the cop, says, you want to go to wanna have court? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, right now. He opens these double doors and it's the courtroom, like attached to the yeah. to the sheriff to the to the police station. Yeah. So he's okay. So we walk into the Tell me he's not the judge. He's the judge. This sounds so fake. Like this is like my cousin Vinny. <laughs> yes, okay. yeah. The two so, Utes. <laughs> okay, so we don't there's the, like the thing set up where the judge hangs, but we don't go there. We're at the like the table where the um like the prosecutor. Yeah, where the, the lawyers sit. Sure. And all of a sudden he picks up the gavel. He's like, court's in session. And he has the cop put on the case. Yeah. I saw this vehicle, blah, 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 swerving, blah, and he's putting on the case. <laughs> so the cop does his thing, and then it's my turn. Mm-hmm. By the way, I know I'm being railroaded. Yeah. They know they're railroading me. And everyone's kind of so mad. Like <laughs> they're kind of laughing, and yeah. I'm laughing because I know I'm being screwed with. Yeah, and I know I'm not getting anywhere, but I got to give it the shot. Sure. So I start putting on my case. Mm-hmm. They're laughing at me. I'm laughing, and I just put on my case. Like asked them, you know, a bunch of questions. Blah, 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 and finally get to the end of my spiel, whatever it was, and the. The sheriff judge guy just picks up the cavel. Guilty as charged. God, that sucks. I know. So what was the official charge, though? Was it swerving? It was, like was swerving, it marijuana? Or something was it? stupid like swerving or reckless driving or something like that. Yeah. So they're laughing at me. I'm laughing at them. And I had to get the last laugh. Okay. So what do you think he does? What? He says, how do you want to pay the bill? Yeah. You know what I did? Pay him in nickels? I went like this. <laughs> How much was the ticket? 
I made them count all the nickels. Yeah. I paid the whole fine in nickels and made those two assholes count. That's amazing. And I guarantee those two fucks. Yeah. They're still telling the story today if they're alive. Yeah. So. If anyone here watching this is related to either of those men, (laughs) please chime in because this is hilarious. So that's how I paid the fine. Okay, hold on. But anyways, I was savvy enough. To get myself out of trouble and make yeah. the, make the two the two the two cops laugh their ass off and and get the last laugh. Did you break even on, on, from, from your like Vegas winnings? I don't think I did the math. Yeah, that's great. Right, that's a that's a very Dean move. I do have another Vegas story. Here we are. I lost well, half. I lost half my net worth in Vegas. When nine? Hold on, it was nineteen. Uh, 88. Okay. I got married. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was waiting for something way more dramatic than that. But I did pay for my, my, um, marriage license with gambling winnings. Nice. Okay. Okay. So now you've paid this horrible, stupid ticket in right. a hilarious fashion. Right. Okay. What's next? We drive home. Yeah. So the rest of the ride home... With the exception of, uh, what do you call it, um, going through the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Like, we're driving through the Grand Pan- Canyon, and there's, like, these ledges and stuff, and I'm not good with it. Okay. And I'm like... Just the steep drop-offs and stuff? Yeah, like, oh, this isn't good. So we got drunk. <laughs> 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 we went and got some Coors beer. You know, in those days, Coors beer only... It didn't come to the side of the Mississippi. Okay. It was a West Coast thing. And sure. By the way, everyone used to go to Colorado and get Coors beer and bring it back. That That's was a big thing in Chicago. Think about it, okay. Yeah. A lot of things didn't come this way, including HBO, mm. which is another story because the, the, we'll talk about the Doobie Brothers sometime and how they got famous playing my guitar, or they were playing my guitars and I couldn't see it because it was on HBO. Huh. But um, so anyhow, the... We got Coors beer, and of course, up that altitude, you get buzzed really quick. Plus, I was like Young. 19 and a wave, and yeah. we <laughs> drove through there drunk, and that's how I made it. There we go. And then we go back to Chicago, and the rest is like crunch set, time. Setting up really manufacturing guitars. Yeah. So that's probably uh, another episode. Okay, so that was, that was your first NAM show. It was big. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty eventful. You know the old thing. You know, nothing happens till you sell something. Well, you sold it. Well, yeah. it wasn't officially sold because fifty we, grand. Yeah, but. yeah. We literally had to build them and actually complete the transaction and take the money. Yeah. Which, by the way, didn't happen. We went to our second Nam show, which was in June. So six months later, we hadn't shipped a guitar yet. Okay. So wait. So there were two Nam shows in the same year. Every year, that was the first winter NAMM show, but every year there okay. was always a winter and a summer NAMM show after that. Yeah. Okay. There was always a NAMM show in June, and then that was the first year they started the January thing. Okay, so six months Coast. transpired. Hadn't in sh- that time, you're... Okay, so this is where we're going to pick up for podcast episode number six, is basically teeing up to build stuff. Well, we're not sure it's going to be episode six, but well, we will... Yeah, we were... I get home... Have to work out a ton of problems to manufacture guitars. Mm-hmm. Literally have another NAM show going on. Yeah. Didn't ship a guitar prior to that NAM show. Right. But people hung in there. Yeah, and I, there, there's some 
celebrities in there on that second NAMM show. So and we'll on the second NAMM show, I land my first rock star. Yeah. And that NAMM show, we actually have like 12, 13 guitars ready to go. Not cracked. Ready to ship. <laughs> and this rock star mm-hmm. bought one of those guitars. Yep. And paid for it. Yeah. So my first guitar I ever sold was to Carrie Libgren of Kansas. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty legendary. And that's kind of a cool story, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, so I got lucky. Yeah. But he liked the guitar. Well, then we'll... Uh, we'll and then we up. could talk about first time I saw my guitar was on stage. And yeah. there's, there's more stories. All right, well, then we'll pick up on all that uh, on a future podcast. Okay, well, this, I think, has been uh, fun. Pretty good. And until uh, next time. Till next time. Yep.